I think officially the hardest part of doing a lesson now is breaking up the fellowship afterward or be- beforehand. So I have I have respect for the guys that come up here and do this now, Jared. I won't ever laugh at you again, dude. <laughs> All right, welcome everyone. How's everyone? How's everyone doing? Thank you. Good, awesome. So yeah, we're continuing in our um, yeah series in Acts today. Um, actually, let me grab let me grab this thing. So I have the joy of. Uh, Showing you a map today. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I won't. Sp- I won't spend too long on this. I, I was never a fan of geography in high school. So, so if you guys remember from our previous uh, lesson that we did in chapter 15, so we're going to be starting chapter 16 today. Um, and Paul, you know, and Barnabas have split up, and now Paul has Silas with him, and they're moving on from Tarsus onto Derb. Okay, wait, hold on. Is there like a thingy on here? Yeah, there is. Awesome. <laughs> I feel like a lecturer. Okay. So yeah, we're, we're going to be over here mostly. And then our lesson is going to kind of conclude here in Troas. Um, and I think the or sort of the main, um, the name of this lesson is going to be called the master of the mission. Because as we're going to be seeing, we're going to be really seeing the spirit leading every step of the way on this journey. He's going to be helping Paul gather up a team of extraordinary, but also slightly unlikely people and also as he just guides them as to where they go. So before we head into that, let's just pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this day that you've given us, Lord. I'm, I'm just grateful to be alive this morning. I'm grateful that you have brought us together here as your family, Lord. I think it's such a privilege and there's something so special about when your people gather together to worship you, Lord, um, to sing praises to your name. Um, I'm, I'm just, you're grateful for the worship. I'm grateful for the worship team, Lord, as they let us, um, yeah, really just to connect with you, Lord. I pray that we take that connection and we, uh, yeah, we really desire to take it deeper, Lord, um, especially during this time as we learn so much about you. Um, please be with me. Please be with Jay as we just speak your word, Lord. I pray that um, you will just humble us. Please remove any other uh, Things that we might be bringing into this lesson, Lord, so that it can will just be your voice that we will hear this morning, Lord. And it won't be my voice, it won't be Jay's voice, Lord. Uh, please be with the kids' kingdom. I pray that you'll be with them, Lord. Um, I'm just so encouraged to see just this young generation being raised up for you, Lord. Um, and I really pray that they will learn so much about you during their time. Um, yeah, we put this all before you in your name. Amen. Amen. Cool. So let's, okay, so that was literally just the map, so I'm going to move on from that. Um, so yeah, we're going to be reading in Acts 16, so if you'll just turn there or flip there or scroll there, whatever you have with you. Um, and we're going to be reading from verse 1 to 5. So I'll read it all in one go at first, and then we're going to kind of break up some of it. Cool, so let's read. Um, so Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. Awesome. So I want you guys to kind of uh, do a little bit of, just kind of go back in time with me for a little bit, just to the previous lesson that we did. So if you guys remember, 
In the previous lesson, in the previous chapter, Paul and Barnabas were traveling together, but then they had a disagreement. And so Paul took John Mark, and they've gone off to a different area. And I mean, sorry, Barnabas took John Mark and went off to a different area. Paul now has Silas with him. And so you can imagine, you know, if Paul is going out to seek other companions, he's probably going to want people that are pretty trustworthy, right? I mean, if you just had this disagreement over the situation where you felt like someone, you know, wasn't trustworthy or they didn't really fulfill what they were supposed to, and now you know he's going to be looking for people that are trustworthy. And so that's got to tell you a little bit of something, a little something about Timothy's character just on the go. Um, so something interesting about Timothy here, uh, this guy's probably pretty young. In fact, it's possible that he could have even been a teenager. If you look at the letters of Timothy and other just evidences in the Bible and you trace it back, Timothy's probably teenager, maybe early 20s. So all of a sudden you've got this kind of unlikely candidate forming in Paul's, you know, team. Why wouldn't you pick someone a little more experienced, right? Maybe he's got a few gray hairs or, you know, <laughs> spiritual gray hairs. He kind of knows a little bit about this missioning thing, right? So why is he not choosing him? Another interesting thing um, is that if you read some of the, um, specifically the uh, verse, 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, where it says that we don't have a spirit of timidity or of fear. Um, if you look at some of the writings that Paul has to Timothy and about Timothy, there's a chance that Timothy might have been quite a naturally timid or fearful character. So that also now is kind of forming this idea in your head of like, okay, this is a, kind of a strange guy that you would be wanting to bring on such a tough journey. But then we read in verse 2, he was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. I think this is a very, very important thing because you can already see the Spirit working, and the Spirit's already been working in Timothy's character, yeah. forming him up. And you can kind of start to now get an idea of why Paul would go and choose this guy. Um, and also now, if you kind of look back at chapter 15, you guys remember, oh, sorry, not chapter 15, but it was one of the previous lessons where Paul, it was on his first missionary journey. You guys remember, you know, the stoning of Paul and how he was dragged out of the city and they thought that he was dead. And then he, believers gathered around him and he got up again. Well, there's a very good job. So this, that actually happened in the area that Timothy and his family was living in. So there's a very good chance that Timothy actually knew what happened to Paul on his first missionary journey. That he knew of the dangers that were awaiting him. So how crazy is that, right? So you've got this young guy, probably pretty naturally timid character, also kind of knows that Paul was killed or nearly killed on his first journey, and Paul's calling up this guy. And so let's see how he responds to this. You know, I want to put a challenge out to you guys, right? I think, and I, I think, you know, regardless of what time period it's been, I feel like people can always make excuses about things. But I think in our modern age, we're very good at making excuses. Wouldn't you agree? I, th I think we've probably, we've all made excuses at some point in our life. And you know, we can often make excuses when it comes to things that God is calling us to. Things like, it's too early. Or, I already have so many studies that I'm busy with already. Or, oh, I already get home late from work. Or, oh, that, that event's maybe a little bit too long. Or, our favorite one, or at least my favorite one, is someone else will probably do it. <laughs> right? But I don't see that kind of attitude in Timothy here. I mean, by all means, the odds were kind of stacked against this guy, Right? And we don't read a lot about how he reacted to this, but we do know that he went with Paul. Yeah. We don't see him 
hesitating or pulling back. He's ready to go and do this. I want to ask you how willing you are, and I want you to ask yourself how willing you are to take up the challenge of embracing the gift that God has given you. Because I know that every one of us, as, as God's people, as the people He's created, have gifts that, are, that He wants us to use to glorify Him. So I want to ask you, are you making excuses of these gifts that He's given you, and are you willing to take up the challenge? If there's, something, if there's something that I want you guys to kind of notice throughout this thing, it's that the Spirit knows exactly what He's doing right. in this mission. Even though, you know, um, I know there's a scripture in First Samuel or something like that where it speaks about, you know, people look at the outside appearance, yeah. God looks at the heart. Right. And I think we can look at someone like this and go, yo, I mean, it's not exactly the best candidate for this kind of mission. Mm-hmm. But I can, we can see that the Spirit is choosing a willing heart. Timothy is willing to go out regardless of how young he is, regardless of the odds. And if you think about it, you know, he's, he's leaving behind the comfort of his home as well. I mean, he's with his mother here. And I want us to know that, you know, this is the, this is the, the same spirit that's calling Timothy here and the same spirit that's in him is the same spirit that we have today. Second Timothy 1 verse 7, you guys don't have to turn there, but I just mentioned it briefly earlier. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Okay, so verse three. Let's move. It, let's move on. Um, so Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew his father was Greek. So now it's getting very interesting. <laughs> um, so just an interesting fact about Timothy. So, um, well, a little side note. So his mother was Jewish, but his father was Greek. But because his mother was Jewish, Timothy would have been recognized as fully Jewish. Yeah. Your Jewishness was determined by your mother's side. But obviously, because his father was Greek, Timothy wouldn't have been circumcised when he was younger. And the Jews knew this about him. So that's how they knew he wasn't circumcised. So what's going on here, right? What, what you know, I mean, we, we, you know, some of us will know that, you know, circumcision was something that was carried out under the old covenant as really a sign of covenant between God and his people. With the coming of Jesus, you know, he's the one who makes us pure and we're no longer made, we're not made pure by these human rituals or legalism or anything like that. And Paul preaches this. So what is it that he's doing here? Um, if you guys will turn with me to 1 Corinthians 9 verse 19. First Corinthians 9 verse 19 to 23. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew, in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not myself being under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, though not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. So I think this this passage of scripture and this principle that Paul's teaching is very important when we start reading something like this. Here's the thing, right? Paul is not willing to let any obstacle get in the way of the gospel of Jesus. 
right? Timothy, being uncircumcised, he knew would have been an obstacle for the Jews that were in the synagogues. And if you don't quite believe this, I want you to turn with me to Galatians 2, verse 3. And we're going to see, you know, (laughs) Paul's he hasn't lost his mind. He knows exactly what he's doing here. Galatians 2, verse 3 to 5. So this is a scenario where kind of the opposite happened, right? And they supported me and did not even demand that my companion Titus be circumcised, though he was a Gentile. Even that question came up only because of some so-called believers, false ones really, who were secretly brought in. They sneaked in to spy on us and take away the freedom we have in Christ Jesus. They wanted to enslave us and force us to follow their Jewish regulations. But, re- but we refused to give in to them for a single moment. We wanted to preserve the truth of the gospel message for you. So here we see this is kind of an opposite scenario, right? Where there were these people who wanted Paul's companion Titus to get circumcised. But Paul obviously understands that you don't need circumcision in order to get into God's family. This is a matter of effectiveness and practicality. Right? It's not about salvation. And here is just another thing, and kind of linking to the previous point as well. Paul is willing to do anything for the mission of God. And that's a pattern that we're going to see with the people that the Spirit is gathering up for his team. So, great, Paul. Like, you know, that's cool. But what about Timothy, right? We don't actually hear anything about this guy. And he's, you know, the one that this is going to happen to. (laughs) So... Well, we don't exactly read a lot about what Timothy says about this. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if he had some questions or some confusion in the beginning. Can you imagine how this conversation would have gone down between Paul and Timothy? Paul's like, okay, cool, Tim. So, you know, I'm going into the the Jewish synagogues today. I'd love for you to join me and come preach the gospel. And Timothy's like, cool, let's do it. And Paul's like, "Uh, one more thing. We should probably circumcise you. It's like... What? <laughs> like, no, that would be strange. <laughs> um, but honestly, I think Timothy was as sold out on the mission of God as Paul is. Yeah, and he's right. willing to go through with this. And I mean, we see, you know, again, they go on on their mission. I mean, Timothy does this. I want to ask you the question, are you willing to do anything for the mission of God? And sometimes that requires us giving up the things that we're comfortable with. It requires us getting uncomfortable. You know, I think if there's one thing that Timothy could have done, he could have gone, yo, but my father's a Greek, like, I don't need to do this, <laughs> right? Like, he could have pulled out any excuses, being like, well, I was, you know, when, if I would be circumcised, it would have happened a long time ago. Like, you know, these the Jews, they just need to kind of get over themselves, right? Mm. They just need to, they need to deal with it. They need to change their minds. Yeah. But we don't see this attitude. We see this attitude of being able to lay down something that he had a right to, to be able to make a way for the gospel for these people to hear it. And also, you know, I want to ask you, because obviously when we approach people in the world, whether it's someone you want to reach out to or anything like that, how often do you approach them with the desire to enter their world, with the desire to see how they see the world, with the desire to actually learn about them and how they do things? Because that's how I see it. And I think, you know, on campus we've had the opportunity of, of really a lot of these situations where you know we'll be reaching out to people and you'll kind of see someone sitting at a bench over there and you're like cool let's you know keegan let's let's go and like chat to this guy right and and what what mindset do i have in that moment am i going you i want to i want to go and learn about this person 
I want to be able to learn about them and enter their world and see how the gospel can be introduced to this person. And I think the beautiful thing is, you know, we have this, we have this opportunity of such a diverse family here right in this room, uh, the opportunity of living in such a diverse country. And, you know, I'm, I think like it's, it's such an opportunity to be able to enter each other's world and really see things from another person's point of view. And the beautiful thing about this is that, you know, when Paul and Timothy do this, the love of Christ no longer becomes something that they just say, but it becomes something that they're actually living out. And they see an example, a living example of Christ's sacrificial love right in front of them. Because now they see, whoa, Timothy was a, you know, because they obviously knew Timothy's father was a Greek and he wouldn't have been circumcised. And now he is circumcised. So it's like, wow, then this guy's trying to connect. You know, this is awesome. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I think we just see this pattern of, you know, God is gathering up this dream team, if you will, right? (laughs) Sounds cheesy, but... (laughs) Um, and, and there's just kind of this one, I'm going to finish off now, but there's this one sort of phrase that, um, during midweek, I think like Rach kind of reminded me of this. I think we heard this in one of the campus encounters, but it goes, moved people, move people. <laughs> right? Do you guys catch the double meaning there? <laughs> so yeah, and I, I think that's what we're seeing here. We're seeing the spirit move in the hearts of, of this team that, that God is gathering up and we're going to see the spirit constantly do this throughout this journey. And Jay's going to come up now and he's going to speak more about just how the Spirit's really guiding them to where they need to go. Come on, Cool. This is not a fellowship, right? <laughs> Morning. Thanks, Dean. Awesome. First half there. So we'll carry on. In verses 6 to 10, so the first 10 verses is what we're looking at. So we've just seen and we've heard Dean explain so awesomely how this dream team's just been assembled, right? And God's put together this team that did everything, including making sacrifices, so they would be prepared. Prepared for what? Obviously mission, right? Now think about it. They're ready for action. They're excited. They want to get started and do this thing. We've made all these sacrifices. We've made all this preparation. Let's get going. And let's see what happens as we read verses 6 to 10 of here. It says, And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mycenae, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mycenae, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. <clears throat> A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel with them. Now put yourself in their shoes, you know, Paul, Silas, and, and Timothy over here, having done all this prep, having probably gotten very fired up and ready for the mission, and now they're off on it. Imagine Timothy, here he is, having made these sacrifices, being fully sold out, as Dean just taught us, and getting ready to go on this mission with some of these, maybe even heroes of the faith. And Paul, wow, I get to go on this mission with Paul. And what happens? They carry on. Now remember, they would have traveled on foot, right? And if you remember the map, there come some big distances that they would have been traveling there. 
And the journey that they were embarking on was probably at least two, maybe even three weeks walk. Wow. Okay? Two to three weeks traveling on foot. And this is where they're going. But it's cool. We're going on the mission. We're doing this for God. We're all fired up. So what happens? They went through that region and they're thinking, let's go to Asia. And the Holy Spirit says, nope, not Asia. I don't want you going there. Okay, that's cool. Maybe we headed to the wrong place. Let's carry on going. And they come up to Mycenae and they think, let's go into Bithynia. And again, they've stopped from going there. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm walking, I'm tired, I've been fired up, I've been excited, and I try to go here and do a thing, and I can't. And I try to go there and I do a thing, and I'm stopped from doing it. Now, somewhere, a little bit of frustration starts creeping in if you're anything like me. It's like, man, I've done all this prep, I'm already, I'm fired up. God, what are you doing here? Holy Spirit, why can't we go into these places? And... They're facing obstacles, thinking that this is going to be cool, this is fired up, all the energy is there, and they see some obstacles. And, you know, when we look back at, at Acts especially, and I don't know if you're anything like me, we often have this romantic vision of how mission was played out back then. You know, everything just worked out easily. You know, they were fired up, they had God's Spirit, they were with they with people who had been with Jesus, they had like first-hand accounts, a lot of this stuff, and wherever they went, mission just happened. We can see how that doesn't happen, does it? There's some frustrations that come in, there's some obstacles. And the point I want to make here, and I want us to get into our minds is, mission will be filled with obstacles sometimes. It won't always be plain sailing. It took them a long time to find out where God exactly, where exactly God wanted to use them. You got Paul, Silas, and Timothy walking around the region over here. You know, kind of frustrated, walking on dusty roads. It's not like the nice little roads and footpaths that we know today. It was a hard journey. And how did they respond to this frustration? Now, if I imagine this, and it's part of why I know God puts us in family, He puts us in teams, I'm pretty sure they encouraged one another. Because if all of them were down and all of them were negative and all of them were frustrated at the same time, they probably would have just stopped. But they had a team and they were working together and we encouraged one another. And again, when you're working with your brothers and sisters, I want you to remember, be honest with them. When you are feeling frustrated, when you are feeling down spiritually, let's be honest with one another. None of us are ever going to be on a continual spiritual high. We will face challenges, but that's why we need each other. We need to be honest and vulnerable and true with one another. You know, we had an awesome experience, Caitlin's baptism yesterday, and we sing, Amen. And after baptisms, we have this habit of singing the song, I decided, I've decided to follow Jesus. And one of the key things that we sing in that song is no turning back. And we see that lived out here with these guys on this mission. They set off on a mission, and in their minds and in their hearts, there was no turning back. They were on this path. They were doing the mission. They were not going to give up. They were not going to turn back. Obstacles will come in our walk as we follow King Jesus, as we share in his mission. So my question to, to myself and to all of us this morning is, How have we responded so far to those obstacles? Because I know each one of us has faced obstacles. 
What have we done? Have we turned back? Or has those, have those obstacles strengthened our faith? Because we can't get through those obstacles if we don't have faith. We don't believe that the one who is sending us knows exactly what he is doing, even when we don't. You know, when I was a younger disciple, I would look at those serving in God's family, maybe people in the worship team or even in the setup crews or preaching or whatever, and I think to myself, man, how awesome it must be to always have known where God wants to use you in his mission. Because you look at that and you think, man, he or she, they've found their role, they've found their calling, they know where they need to be in God. And then as I got to spend time with those people, I discovered that it's actually a rough road to find out where God wants to use you sometimes. You can often try many things. You can think that's the path he wants to send you on, and then it's the opposite path. For me, a path that led to standing here was not one I saw. My character back then would not have supported that. I stand here because of King Jesus and the Holy Spirit and that's it. But I didn't know I would end up here. And I had frustrations along the way, trying different things, trying to serve in different ways. If I had given up, I would not have had the awesome experience of using the gift that God has given me to glorify Him. So the question is, when the frustration comes, when you try different things, and they don't work. Are you going to give up? Or are you going to keep going forward? Will you turn back or not? See, it's a path that's often filled with obstacles, frustrations, but with lots of learning. But most of all, it's a path that's filled with faith and perseverance. Two key ingredients you need. A steadfastness in our trust in King Jesus. That cannot change. We trust Him. We trust in the Holy Spirit's guidance. We look ahead and trust His plan, even when it seems like it's not working. Most of the time it's not working because it's our plan. Look at these guys. No turning back. Obstacle after obstacle. Couldn't go into one place, couldn't go into the other place. They were almost being funneled to Troas, as Dean mentioned, where they would end up. So the question is, does looking ahead, trusting his plan, persevering, being faithful, does that describe you and me today? Or are we looking over our shoulders and thinking, man, I've tried hard enough, I'm out. Now the other thing we see that they may have been tempted to do, imagine this long journey, they're walking along, they're not finding a place to share the gospel, they're not being allowed to do mission in these various places. They could have decided, okay, hang on, We're trying our thing here. Nothing's working. Let's just find a place, one of the villages, one of the towns. Let's stop and wait for a sign. (laughs) Clearly, God doesn't want us to go to these places. We're just going to wait now. And God, you, you better just show us where you want us to go. So they could have just stopped. Because carrying on was uncomfortable. Carrying on was hard. And you know the climate in that area, I'm not sure exactly what time of year it is, but it's warm, it's dusty, it's not fun walking along back in those times. All the paths are blocked, so let's just chill here. It's a little more comfortable, and when God sends a sign, we'll know where He wants to send us. Now something we see throughout the whole Bible, and it becomes even more clear in the New Testament, is this idea that God is always on the move advancing His mission. And God's people are always on the move. 
Now, whether that being on the move is a physical move like it was in their case, or spiritually growing and being active in your town or your city or your community, there's always motion. There's always action. There's always something happen. God's people who have made Jesus Lord are never standing still. Maybe not physically, but we are never passive. Often we can be tempted because of what frustrates us to stop trying. We try things and we hit obstacles or things don't work or they work out poorly, so we'll just stop. God, I've tried all of these things already. I don't know what you want from me. I'm just going to stop. You better just send me a sign. And we get frustrated with God and we stop moving. And here's the sad and dangerous thing. When we stop moving spiritually, we start moving backwards. If we're not actively seeking Him, if we're not actively in His Word, if we're not in each other's lives, sharing our lives, being honest, getting the help we need, we end up going backwards. And it's a slow and very subtle process. But before we know it, we're so far away from where King Jesus calls us to be that we don't even think there's a way back. And Satan starts getting in there. We need to keep moving, keep trying, keep learning, keep being in each other's lives, keep trusting the Holy Spirit, keep in His Word. In the last possible place they could go, is the clicker in team? Did you go back to them? Did you go back to the map for a second? I just want to show you in the map. So they started off Lister and Derby, carrying on, and up there in Troas, that was literally the last place they could go. If you look at the coastline, they were hitting the Aegean Sea now. In the last place they could possibly go, God finally showed them where they were meant to be. But they carried on that long journey through frustration, through obstacles, never stopped moving. And interestingly, in the, in the passage, they mention in verse verse 10, sorry, it says, And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel. So they carried on along this path, and they reached this final place that they could go. And a lot of the scholars, this we is a very interesting word. Many of the biblical scholars believe Luke had now joined them on this mission. So remember, Luke's writing the book here and said, now we were ready to do this. So again, if they had stopped, they probably wouldn't have met up with Luke. God's team wouldn't have been fulfilled exactly as it needed to be, and they wouldn't have been ready to do what he was calling them to do. So have you given up halfway through your journey? God is still calling you to move forward. Have you given up already? Have the frustrations been too many? Have you not been able to overcome the obstacles because maybe you're trying to overcome those obstacles on your own? Maybe there are things in your life and in mind that we're too ashamed to share so they become these obstacles and we don't do it with the brothers and sisters around us. Because if we share those things and we're vulnerable with those things, I guarantee you one thing. If I ask you here, who's in a position to judge my sin, not one of you will put your hands up. I don't reckon any of you are brave enough to do that. And that's the lie Satan wants to tell you. If you share something, if you share that dark sin, that brother's not going to love you anymore. That sister's going to look at you funny. 
None of us are in a position to do that. None of us are in a position to judge each other's sin because we have our own. We share, we love, we encourage, we challenge because we, our allegiance is to King Jesus and Him alone. And we do this together. So again, I ask you, have you given up halfway? And if you have, I encourage you, share that with someone. Share your frustrations. Be challenged spiritually. Let's start moving forward again. Often we think, I can't do this. Look at, look at where he is. Look at where she is. They've already achieved something. Meanwhile, that's just a waypoint on their journey. They haven't reached, none of us have reached our final destinations. We're still moving forward following King Jesus. And then we get discouraged and we stop moving because we're comparing ourselves to other people. Even other disciples, we shouldn't be comparing ourselves to other people. Because when we do that, we lose sight of what King Jesus wants to use me for. Nobody wants to use Keegan for, or Dean for, or Mercia for, or whoever for. What does he want to use Jason for? That's what I need to be praying about. That's what I need to be moving towards. It doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. For I'm in this fight, trusting King Jesus, giving my full allegiance to Him, I will find what He is calling me to do. See, we all have something to contribute. Every single one of us. It's not going to look the same as what somebody else wants to contribute, but we have to be willing to fight, to trust, and to persevere in order to find our calling. And when you find that calling, trust me in this, you'll be encouraged, you'll be energized, and you'll be exciting, excited when you go about serving, when you go about doing what King Jesus wants you to do. Even when you're exhausted mentally, physically, and spiritually, you will be able to do those things. Or are you and I happy to let others do the heavy lifting while we sit back and wait? Wait for what? God's people move forward. You know, as we wrap up, we see in this passage, God chooses the right people at the right time for the right purpose. He knows exactly what He's doing. He, through the Holy Spirit, King Jesus, is the master of the mission. He and He alone. So our question is, are we ready to answer the call? You know, when we made King Jesus Lord, we announced that our fealty was to Him. Our trust was in Him. Our obedience, our obedience is to Him. Does my life and yours reflect that? Paul and Silas and Timothy and ultimately Luke's lives reflected that. Do we make the sacrifices that are required to put the mission first? We heard when Dean shared all those sacrifices that they were making. Timothy being willing to be circumcised. Paul fighting through all of these things after having been nearly half dead. Like, man, why should I try so hard still? Making all those sacrifices. Putting mission first. When the load is wrong, road is long with seemingly no wins. It's defeat after defeat. Does our faith remain unshaken? Or does it even strengthen in those times? When we're tired and we feel like we've tried everything, do we keep moving, keep looking forward, keep being active because we trust Him? You know, this is a simple little story about the master of the mission assembling a team to further his mission. But there's so many things we can learn about God's character and ours in this. And I pray that we take that and look at where do I fit into this story? 
And how can I change it if it's not what I would like to see? But how encouraging to know that King Jesus wants all of us to play a part in his mission. He's calling each and every one of us. And we all have a vital role if we answer that call. You are exactly where you are needed. Question is, will you keep moving, keep trusting, keep trying, and keep your eyes fixed on King Jesus? What an incredible hope we have in Him, that we can do amazing things for Him. We can. We just need to put ourselves in that position. So as I leave us, that's our hope and our encouragement, but also our challenge. If you've forgotten, will you once again rise to that call? If you've stopped moving, will you start moving again? If you're wondering whether you should, I implore you, accept the call and make King Jesus Lord. And together, family, let's go and make the difference this world so desperately needs. The healing that can only come through King Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we truly are in awe of you. We are in awe of just how you use us, in awe of just the incredible examples we see in your word, just how encouraging it is. We know it takes sacrifice sometimes. We know it takes discomfort. We know it takes doing things that we might not have seen ourselves doing, that we might not feel qualified for, but we trust in you. We know that you are the one who is the master of the mission. You are the one who is guiding us, and you are the one who is putting us exactly where we need to be. I pray that we will have the courage to answer the call, that we'll be sacrificial enough to do the things that we might not want to do, but that we know that when we do those things, when we live the mission, when we fulfill our purpose in you, King Jesus, you give us this energy, you give us this peace, you give us this contentment, and you even give us this joy that we are sharing in something amazing. It is only through you, King Jesus, that we can find healing and that we can share that healing with others. Not because we are amazing, but because you are amazing. I pray that as we sit here this morning, we'll each be challenged by by this journey we've learned about this morning to ask ourselves soberly and honestly, does that reflect me? If it doesn't reflect me, what am I going to do to change that? And I pray that we will work together in each other's lives, loving one another, encouraging one another, but also challenging one another. Because seeing each other in the age to come before you, King Jesus, is more important than keeping people comfortable. I pray that we will do all of this to glorify and honor you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you.